0: They inbound to DeRozan. Lots of time. 112, 111. DeRozan drives all the way up. Jams it down. DeRozan jams it down and he's fouled. <laughs> Are you kidding
1: me? DeRozan on Bullock. Raises up the jumper. Good and a foul. He's got 41 and a free throw to come. Runs it front court into the lane. Ben Vliet for the win. No!
0: Down the bottom of the way. American fans may not know much about Damar. They do know. For the latest news in Raptorland, it's the Jurassic Pod with Josh Lewenberg and Gareth Wheeler. Welcome to Jurassic Pod. Wheels in Lumenberg with you. I believe this is episode five. All I know is when we do this podcast, the Raptors do not lose basketball games. And what a game to be coming off of to be presenting this podcast. A 121-119 win over the Detroit basketball Pistons in overtime. At Wheeler TSN, at JLU1050. What's up, Josh? What's going on, Wheels? You're not tired of me yet? We've been spending a lot of time together A lot of quality time Can I And It has nothing to do with you or spending time with you Walking into this building just a few moments ago Opened up the door for a lovely young lady yep. Allowed her to finish her cigarette And still kept the door open She blew right past me Went in without saying thank you No thank you how do you say thank you? I thought that that was just commonplace in 2018. Did
1: you update her on social convention and let her know that this was not okay? I gave her the glare,
0: but oh, literally, okay. she never turned around, so she has no clue. She walked straight into the elevator. And the second thing, I need to apologize to you, I smell like onions. I Like, I reek of onions. Can you smell it? No, well, fortunately, we're on opposite ends of the table here. Right. It's not like a Chuck Swirsky onions, baby onions, either. I walked into my local coffee shop, and poof, they were making these ham and onion croissants. And now that's all I can smell. So I'm I'm completely distracted here. Wow, well, as long as you weren't cutting them yourself. No no kidding, but I did shed a tear. One solitary tear came into my right eye. So uh, shout out to all the people that deal with onions on the regular, and make sure you thank people when they open the door for you. <laughs> uh, That's a pu- t- public service announcement yes. for the day? Yes, Wheeler out. I'm done. That's the podcast for this week. See you next time. Now, on this week's pod, the Raptors continue to roll We'll look ahead to a big Friday night against the Houston Rockets. And is DeMar DeRozan putting together the best individual single season in Raptors franchise history? We're going to get into all of that good stuff. But man, we got to talk about Wednesday night's game in Detroit. Because the win over Charlotte, the win over Atlanta, completely forgettable. And those are two experiences being at the ACC, Josh, that you will never forget, a.k.a. you've already moved on, and thou shalt never speak of those two games ever again. And
1: they won, both, they won both games, and one of them was actually close in terms of the score, right? The Atlanta game, yet, I mean, can you remember a single play in either of those games? A single moment? The most Oof. memorable storyline in those two games might have been... Malcolm Miller getting the start and playing a forgettable whatever it was, 10, 14 minutes in each game. There really wasn't much that came out of either of them. And then the first half happens against Detroit, and it was like deja vu. Here we go again. The most interesting thing to happen in the Raptors side of things was Serge Ibaka getting ejected. But in the end, the Serge Ibaka ejection was what? Like the 10th most interesting thing to happen in the game? Maybe even lower than that. It was a gift... From the basketball gods' wheels, No Ibaka, Ibaka
0: being ejected. No, no, no. The game, the, well, the game <laughs> oh, the itself. Game. The game
1: itself. But then, yes, also Ibaka being ejected. Man, he he didn't look very invested in this game before getting tossed out of it, did he? Let, do you
0: want to start at the end and work our way back? Because honestly, we that, that's should, yes. that's kind of it. Feels like that's the way that we should go about this because the Raptors really picked it up at the end of the ballgame. We saw some different-looking fives on the floor. But at the end of the day, it was DeMar DeRozan. It was a game where we've seen so many over the course of this year, Josh, where the bench and their influence will win the ball game. Well, this game was all about DeMar DeRozan, wasn't it?
1: And the tail end of it, the winning shot, the winning play, which wasn't made by DeMar DeRozan, was sort of—it epitomized— the continued evolution of DeMar as a player because we had just seen a couple remarkable plays by DeMar that uh, dunked the three-point play that sent the game into overtime essentially as well as just an impossible step-back jumper that he hit moments before that. Here's a guy that had 42 points that had made big play after big play, big bucket after big bucket, and Clearly, we were not alone in thinking that DeMar was going to take that last shot. Obviously, the Pistons thought that as well. They have four guys on him, but he made the right play, the smart pass, setting up Fred VanVleet for a wide open, what would be game winner, and Wheels, that's not a play that he makes. Three or four years ago, it might not even be a play that he would have made last year, but that to me speaks to the type of player, the the superstar that Demar Derozan has blossomed into and continues to blossom into because now he's doing all these other things that have both made him a better player and right. make the Raptors a better team. It
0: looked like it was going to be a carbon copy of the throwdown dunk with four point whatever, four point six seconds to go that sent the game into overtime, but he went and he shared the ball to a guy in. Fred VanVleet, who was previously one of nine on the Knights. One of nine and it was the right decision to make. So there was that play by DeMar, but the play that will capture the hearts and minds and the imagination of everyone across not just in Toronto, but the basketball world. This was an ESPN game. Sports Center was all over this. Was that dunk at the end of regulation, Josh? I mean, that, like, when you think of now all-time DeMar DeRozan plays... That one's going to be right near the right near or maybe right at the front of the queue. The, like picking up the ball in your own end, taking the entire length of the court, no defense. It was complete Olay defense, and then completely posterizing Anthony Tulliver. Thank you very much.
1: Demar Derozan takes a lot of heat and has over the years for not being a clutch player. First of all, I mean, it's really hard for any play, for any player in those situations to like shoot over 50%. I mean, those are, first of all, it's a small sample, like clutch situations. You're only in so many of them per year. And then also they're high pressure situations. So you're not going to have a guy that's that's hitting most of their shots in, the, in those situations. Meanwhile, Damar He's, I believe, seventh in the NBA in terms of field goal attempts in clutch situations. And only two of the guys ahead of him are shooting a better field goal percentage. So he has become a clutch player. We've seen it a number of times this year. The Milwaukee game that went into overtime right. on New Year's Day. He scores a career-high 52 points. make big Makes big but, plays but down the stretch. he's in
0: different ways, too, Josh. That's right. the thing. And it's that's not the last... just the mid-range Bingo. shot anymore. And that, that's what drove Raptors fans crazy. Just settling for that dribble dribble. Dribble, 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 mid-range jump shot. So that, but that's me, not what we're seeing anymore. So as we're talking about the evolution of DeMar
1: DeRozan and certainly the, the playmaking, the trust he has in his teammates to make plays, that's a big part of it. His, his clutch play, however you define it, I mean, that has come a long way as well. Because remember, there were days where, the there were years where the idea of, of DeMar DeRozan having the ball in his hands late in a closed game was cringeworthy, right? I mean, there were times he wouldn't even get a shot up. He'd just be dribbling the ball off of his foot. It would would be ugly at times, and that being very early in his career. But as the years have gone by, we've seen him get better and more comfortable. And one thing about DeMar, say what you will about him and his game, and I know there are always going to be critics, but he is not afraid of the moment. He wants the ball in those situations. He wanted it against Detroit, and the difference was he was
0: making the right play well and this is a side note of the entire situation this was on the tail end of a back-to-back DeMar DeRozan played 43 minutes last night but looked fresh because he only played 28 the night before these little things matter and I just thought DeMar whether it was getting to the free free throw line hit all of his free throws but that was the play right there and, look, Bullock and Ish Smith got caught up in Kyle Lowry's quasi-screen. It was awful defensive play. Blake Griffin, as well as he played, wouldn't come in to challenge DeMar. Nope. Tolliver was left on an island, and DeMar and he's, and he's took getting, over that island. And
1: Anthony Tolliver's getting ripped today. Meanwhile, he's he, the only guy that stepped up to defend the play.
0: I think he'd be the fourth to blame on that play. Yeah. Like, right, which is incredible, but that was really poor defensive play. But great players take advantage of situations like that, and Demar did. We were we were in studio for the broadcast. Like I jumped up out of my seat. It was just I can attest to I- that. <laughs> Olympic high jumper Gareth Wheeler. No, it was just, just it was because,
1: one of those games.
0: It was one of those games, Josh, because the Raptors stunk in the first half. No energy. No life. No execution on the defensive end. You know that Dwayne Casey was pulling out his mustache. Like, it was shocking how poorly they came out of the gate. But in the third quarter, man, oh, man. Abaki gets ejected in the first half. They're undermanned because is out. DeLon Wright doesn't come back in for the second half. Still no OG. Still with the toe. No OG. And the Raptors somehow found a way. 40-point third quarter. They inserted Siakam into that five. Norman Powell stepped up, and that's when Kyle Lowry, and, and you and I chatted about this, and I think it's important to bring up, Kyle Lowry only took eight field goal attempts last night. He picks his spots, but when the team needed him in the third quarter, that's when he stepped up from an offensive, like, I'm going to get mine perspective. When well, we talk about the evolution of DeMar DeRozan, the evolution of Kyle Lowry, and this is
1: something I've been talking about for the last few seasons, something that he's gotten really good at is recognizing what's needed from him and when, because he he does so many things on the floor, and I think it's tough to do all those things at once, especially for a player of his size, his height, the, the uh, amount of hits that he takes during the course of a season. And I mean, also, you probably don't want if you're the Raptors, the idea of having him in attack mode all the time is probably something that you wanted to go away from this year. And they've done that. But there are certain times and certain games where they still need vintage Lowry, a guy who can just will his way into the paint, hit those big threes in the case of last night, four-point plays. Um and I still think he's able to do that. Maybe not as often as he wants did and and once was able to, but uh, that's something that the raptors are going to need I, in the playoffs it it's another option it's another
0: thing that on, on nights where the three isn't falling a hundred percent on a night like last night, and coach Casey brought it up. the bench just didn't have it The bench has done it so often over the course of the year. You could tell earlier in that second quarter. When the Raptors, were that hole was being dug, they were down 17 points, that the bench, for whatever reason, just didn't have that extra step. So what happens? Oh, yeah, your all-star steps up. (laughs) Not bad. He flips on the switch to begin the third quarter and and turns the momentum of the game and
1: then hands the baton to DeMar DeRozan. So for for all the, the talk of the depth of this team and the second unit, which has been so good and they deserve all the credit that they're getting, this is still a team with two All-Stars and, and another two very good players in Valanciunas and Ibaka, and while depth is going to come up huge, presumably down the stretch of the season and even in the playoffs when you're going to need other guys to step up, especially when defenses take Lowry and DeRozan out of the game, this is still a star-driven league and this is still a team in the Raptors that will go as far as Lowry and DeRozan take them, those guys are going to need to come up big. Maybe not every night, and that's sort of the benefit of this team versus teams in uh, the the franchise's history where – You you do need to rely too much on one guy. They have other options now. They were the
0: stars last night. But they need,
1: and they're going to need to be the stars in the
0: playoffs. Right. Hey, if they can flip the switch like that, look out. A couple other news and notes from last night's game. Congratulations 47 and 17. First team in the NBA to punch their playoff ticket. Not bad, Josh. 16 days earlier than the last
1: earliest date that the Raptors clinched and I think it was back like, in 2016. I think it was like
0: 70 games it took, so we're sitting here at 64. Yeah. And, they, and they're playoff bound, and the first team to do it. That's incredible. Well, that that's where that becomes
1: interesting, right? Because it's not big deal. They clinched the playoff spot. They were going to the playoffs anyways, right? So that in and of itself is not... These are all benchmarks. Right. The the fact that they were able to do it before any other team in an Eastern Conference that's improving, it's not like the teams that are fighting for 8th aren't any good. And for them to do it so much earlier than they've ever done it before. That's just another notch on their belt. A
0: hundred percent. Shout out to the fans that made the trip. Masai Ujiri, the Prez, riding the buses down to Detroit. Do they, okay, so I, I assume after the game everyone hopped on the bus and came straight home? Did Masai hop on the team charter? Like it's one thing going down there with the team. I think I'm gonna go back on the charter though. Turn the cameras off and it's a veteran move. Everyone's trying to sleep, anyways. Yeah. See, I'd have like convinced the bus to like pull off Winter Casino. You know, just make a great night even better. After an after a game like that, let it (laughs) ride, man. Exactly. You're a big gambler, aren't you? Yeah. By the way, I just saw that the house that movie with Will Ferrell. It wasn't awful. Him and, like, his wife and their friend, like, open a casino in their house to raise money. Anyway, I, I, I didn't even, I've never even heard of that. <laughs> <laughs> Will yeah. Ferrell. I don't think it was direct to, like, oh, I don't even Lord. think they call it direct to DVD anymore because who watches DVDs and Blu-rays? Yeah. Direct to, like, ha- Netflix. Netflix or Crave TV or whatever. Uh, the other notable aspect of last night's game, Norman Powell back in the starting five, and he stepped up. We're going to get into that next uh, Kyle Lowry focusing on three letters. Is that justified? And when that comes to a certain DeMar DeRozan, those three letters I'm talking about, could that all boil down to what we're seeing right now Is the best individual season for one player in franchise history? All that coming up. Wheels in Luenberg with you. This is Jurassic Pod. What does DeMar's play say tonight for
1: people that probably haven't seen him? Three letters. Three letters. You know what they are.
0: This is Jurassic Pod. Gareth Wheeler, Josh Bloomberg with you. We were thinking last night about f- different three-letter words that could be important to one, the one, the only Kyle Lowry. We thought of TSN first. Da-na-na. Our, Da-na-na. Our, our employer. One other three words. A lot of people call me an ass, so that three-letter word comes to mind. There's plenty of... that applies years. to you more than it applies to Demar Derozan. Right. Well, but when it comes to Demar, it's MVP. Fred Van Vliet talked about it post game. Yep. Kyle Lowry talked about it post game. Are you buying the MVP hype? Like at the ACC Friday night, DeMar walking up to the free throw line, are you going to be hearing MVP, MVP? Is this where we're going, Josh? And if so, is it correct? Is it right?
1: Well, like I, I've heard MVP chants for <laughs> yeah. Bruno Caboclo yeah. at, at the Air Canada these Center. Ones so, be serious Yes. Yes. Um, He should absolutely be in the conversation. But I I use the word conversation loosely, right? Because right now, it's a one-man race, legitimately. Like, James Harden is the MVP, and barring some, like, epic Rockets collapse to end the season, which starts on Friday in Toronto, um, barring an epic... (laughs) That 17-game win
0: streak turns into a 17-game losing streak. Barring
1: that, essentially, (laughs) James Harden is your MVP... And deservedly so, right? I mean, he's had an incredible year. The Rockets have had an incredible season. Uh, But after that, I I mean, where do you go? Anthony Davis has put himself in the conversation uh, by essentially carrying the Pelicans to playoff contention in the absence of DeMarcus Cousins. Um, you got LeBron James, who's Permanently in the conversation. And, I, I mean, as much as Cleveland has sort of been a punchline this year, the fact that he even has them in third, given what they've dealt with and, and how terrible that team has been through most of the year, and is, the, a, and the
0: argument is, that is a credit to him. You could LeBron James the MVP any year.
1: Yeah. And you and wouldn't
0: be wrong.
1: He won't get it, but right. he's he'll be in the top five, is what I'm saying. And Kevin Durant will probably be in there as well. And Giannis, there's some,
0: is, Giannis has got to be in he, the mix. He's in
1: the fringe, and and... and I think Damian Lillard, like his name is in there as
0: well. He's but like outstanding over the last month. But I
1: don't see why DeMar DeRozan shouldn't be in there with some of these other names. As I said, Harden in, in a league, in a tier of his own right now. Uh, but DeMar is a top five MVP candidate in the NBA
0: right now. And, and this is why I think that's the case. He's on the number one ranked team in the Eastern Conference. And, you know, you know what I mean. Like he, if he, and was, that's a big part of it. If he was doing this on the third seed, the fourth seed, right. the fifth seed, we'd look at it entirely different. But he is the leader and the best player on the best team in the Eastern Conference, and that that matters. At least that matters for me, and gives him more clout in terms of the overall MVP standing. And context counts. And yes,
1: context context counts, and timing is everything, right? Because is there a difference, logistically speaking, in whether DeMar has a game like he had last night on ESPN, on, in, on U.S. nationally televised TV, versus uh, if he would have done that? a few games earlier against Charlotte I when no one you, was watching. I, L- I think it logi- puts
0: it more in the conversation. Right, so yeah, that's, that's where right? I'm going with this, where I say logistically, there's there's no difference. But And the yeah. fact this week he comes out, makes a very public comment about mental illness, like, he's very much in the front of people's minds yes. right now. And whether it be his play, his off-the-court persona, he's winning over a lot of people, and I don't think that can be discounted. That's why I think definitely slam dunk top five in the NBA. Agreed. Okay. Now, I'm with you. Harden, AD, and LeBron, I'd probably put them ahead of DeMar DeRozan. But with that being said— Maybe
1: Kevin Durant as well.
0: Okay. Maybe.
1: But DeMar, top
0: five. Right. It's it's always tough with Golden State because of the types of players that they have. And yep. it's, I'll leave that alone. Because this is where I think the more interesting conversation comes— Is DeMar DeRozan having the best single season by any Raptors player over the course of franchise history? Based on where the team is, what he's meant to that team, and his overall body of work. Now, the two players that come to mind is the 2000-2001 Vince Carter. Who set a franchise record in terms of points per game with 27.6? The Raptors were 47 and 35, I believe fourth or fifth in the Eastern Conference that year. And the other one was Chris Bosch on a losing team, 40 and 42, in 09 10, averaged 24 and almost 11. He was phenomenal for that really crappy Raptors team. And we, we can probably, I, I mean, that, that was a great season. And Chris Bosch had some great
1: years here in Toronto. But for the purpose of this discussion, we can, pro- we can probably go ahead and eliminate the Bosch. Year because I'm I know we we got into this we started this conversation earlier a couple days ago on 1050, but both of us were still standing at the end of of the of the battle. I had a couple and, bruised
0: and, eyes, and
1: and that's not good enough here. We've got a we've got a
0: debate to the death, so we're bringing it back. So next week there'll be a new co-host <laughs> on the Jurassic Pod. But which one of us <laughs> is going to be here? Uh and, and I think and and. Let's let's just paint paint the picture for the listeners here You sided with Vince And I sided with DeMar And I feel like I have a sided advantage right now With DeMar DeRozan coming off last night's game I I do I feel a little bit dirty and greasy Based upon that But his stats jump off the page He's being more efficient In fewer minutes He's now developed a three point shot And again on the best Raptors team we've ever seen All of that makes that count Was Vince Carter way more flashy? Absolutely. Did he bring more highlight real plays? Of course. Did he have to do more by himself? Yes. But if DeMar was on that Raptors team, perhaps he would be the player that had to okay, take over but... games as well. And I just I, I take his entire approach, and I look at this being the best Raptors season by a player I've ever seen. Okay, well, I'm, I'm eliminating what so- if scenarios. Side, prosecution rest. I'm eliminating
1: what if scenarios from this debate, because we're not debating whether or not DeMar would be doing more with more minutes and more shots and a higher usage percentage. We're, all we're dealing with here is, is the reality right? of what, what we're evaluating, what's in front of us. Now, yes, I admit this isn't the most opportune time to be arguing against DeMar DeRozan <laughs> yeah. and his Season, but is it because you don't like
0: DeMar? But, is that it? Come on. What I ask here is that we, this, el- by the way, this week DeMar DeRozan said that perhaps Josh Lewenburg could be in the starting five. Maybe they'd give you a look. So I, I just, I'm just I'm throwing that into the case as well. <laughs> so go on, make your case for Vince Carter.
1: Yeah, go I don't, ahead, John. Never mind. No, I, <laughs> what I ask here is that you eliminate as much recency bias as you can and, and take a look back with me. At the year that was 2000,
0: 2001. Doo-doo, doo-doo. <laughs> I feel like we're going to the, Get time, into the time
1: machine. machine. It, that was Vince Carter's masterpiece it with was. the Raptors and maybe in his career. Like when we think about Vince Carter and what he represents to the franchise, potentially arguing him as, as, one, as one of, if not the best Raptor of all time, and, and remember how good he was with Toronto. We're thinking about that season, right? Because he doesn't have the longevity that DeMar has. He was here for six and a half years, and he was really only the Vince Carter that we remember in two seasons, 2001 season and then, to a lesser extent, the year before. His rookie year was good, not great, and then after that third year is when the injuries started to hit, and he was never the same player. And
0: and when he quit on the team, yes.
1: Correct. (laughs) So let's... Look back at that season, and what do we remember about that season? Not just about Vince Carter, but about that season as a whole. We remember dunk Vince's contest. dunks, the dunk contest dunk was the year before. before. Yes, yeah, We remember Vince Carter's dunks. We remember Vince Carter's big games. Ultimately, we remember Vince versus Iverson in the playoffs, and then the shot, and basically everything. Everything that we remember from that season, for better or for worse, is Vince Carter. That was the Vince show, and it needed to be right because you look at that team. Do you remember how many guys were averaging double figures in scoring for that team?
0: Can't be many. Two. Alvin Williams. Antonio Davis and and Vince Carter. That's it.
1: Uh, Vince Carter carried them because he needed to carry them. He played 40 minutes a game. That's six minutes more than DeMar is playing this year. He took four more shots per game. And you talk about efficiency. Vince Carter was more efficient in those 40 minutes even than DeMar DeRozan is in these 34 minutes. And, and that led, of course, to the 27 points a game that you mentioned the most in franchise history. But even the advanced numbers, and you look at all of them, Vince is number one in franchise history in terms of single-season performance. And basically all of them, real plus-minus, win shares, value over replacement. Uh, now, listen. I'm going to do the same thing with this season's team. When we look back in however many years of this season's team, what will we remember? Yes, absolutely. We're going to remember DeMar's top five, arguably top two, top three season in franchise history, but we're also going to remember Dwayne Casey and the coaching staff and the job that they've done in implementing a a new system with basically the same personnel we're going to remember JV shooting threes we're going to remember the kids the the best bench in the NBA a bench so good that DeMar DeRozan is only playing 34 minutes because he only has to play 34 minutes so there's a lot of reasons I agree with you this is the best team in franchise history but there are a lot of reasons for that it's not just DeMar DeRozan whereas there was one big reason why that team in 2000 was to that point the best team in franchise history, and it was Vince Carter. Okay.
0: Um, yes, the advanced stats side with Vince. Carter that year only won one player of the week, which is subjective, and they weren't done by conference at that time. Right. But the Martins won four this year. And if, just like we did earlier in the segment, we both agreed earlier in this pod that. DeMar DeRozan is putting together a top five season in terms of MVP candidates. That year, Vince Carter finished tied for 11th. Yeah, tied, but- tied for 11th? It's like, listen, so it's outside perception that counts as well. It's easy for me, Josh, across the NBA, we see this all the time. There be very good players who shine on really bad teams. And the Raptors weren't a really bad team. They were a good, not great team, and Vince made them better. This is an outstanding Raptors team, and DeMar continues to set the pace for this group.
1: Okay, so let's say they win 60 games. So that'll be what, 13 games more than that yes. team? Again, I ask, how many of those 13 wins are on the back of DeMar? The 13 extra wins were on the back of DeMar. DeRozan well, I, the two Not, most
0: entertaining I, ones this year right but
1: I mean like even like I said statistically Detroit, in terms
0: against Milwaukee on New Year's Day those are two that jump right off the page and thanks to DeMar playing so well over the first three quarters the Raptors have been afforded the luxury to just play their bench at the end of ball games all throughout the month of February so it's setting the table as well where he doesn't have to be a finisher like, but again, that's that's what ifs,
1: right? What if he did have to be a finisher? Yeah, he'd probably be having a better season. But he hasn't had to.
0: Wide, but I'm uh, look, I understand. I I buy your argument in the sense of the numbers. But I'm, I'm going also go in the eye test. Like we were there, we watched. The well, Raptors, there's a re- there's a recency and, bias and, with the eye test. No, obviously. but no, but I my favorite Raptors moments. I hearken back to the Vince Carter date. I hearken back to those two seasons where a lot of casual fans, at best, fell in love with basketball in the city because of Vince Carter. Because each and every night, Josh, it was a show. It was thrilling, but what we're seeing right now is a player methodically improve and break down other teams, not only based upon the team around him, but the based upon his game is diversified and he's become that much better as well.
1: Well, that's sort of my point. Okay, so right now, if let's expand this conversation, and we're not going to necessarily get into this specifically, but if we're talking about the best Raptor of all time, there are two guys right now that are at the top of that list for me. Vince Carter and DeMar DeRozan, but for, different, but for different reasons. Vince Carter, as I said, so much of what makes him the, one of the best players in franchise history is that one season. What he accomplished that year, which is what we're debating here. How good was that one season? Because after that, it all fell off. Almost everything we remember about Vince is based off of that one season and maybe, to a lesser extent, the season before where they made the playoffs and get, got swept in the first round. DeMar DeRozan, what makes him arguably the best player in franchise history, as you mentioned, Wheels, is sort of the longevity of being able to watch his growth and progression getting better each year and ultimately being a big part of why the Raptors have made the playoffs for five straight seasons. So it's not so much one specific season that has made DeMar DeRozan great. And even this season, so much of what makes the storyline compelling is to be able to look as we did to begin this podcast and say, that's not a play he makes five years ago. That's right. not a play he makes three years ago. It's it's the growth. It's the improvement more than the specific season. Uh, also, I mean, the MVP thing is interesting. I was shocked to find out, th- to be reminded, that Vince finished tied for 11th that year in MVP voting. I went back and looked at that, and I mean, it, it, I, I started thinking, like, is, is there more, was there more superstar talent in the NBA back then than there is now? Because, I mean... That seems to be the case when I'm looking at this list. Listen to these guys that finished ahead of Vince Carter in the MVP voting that season. They're all Hall of Famers. Allen Iverson, Tim Duncan, Shaq, Chris Webber, Kevin Garnett, Tracy McGrady, Karl Malone, Jason Kidd, Kobe Bryant, David Robinson. Right. Like,
0: but But if we look today, LeBron James... Kevin Durant, yeah. James Harden, and those guys are all going to finish higher Steph than Vince Curry Carter won't Steph Curry. No, I think won't this st- year. I, I think he will finish higher than Demar. DeRozan I'm, I'm not this saying year.
1: he should, but I think he will. Interesting.
0: We'll we'll see where it because all I think out. I
1: think when it comes down to it, it's still like listen, MVP voting, like a lot of other things, especially that come down to voting in the NBA, it's a popularity contest. And at the time, as you you said, I mean Vince Carter's star was rising, but he was still a 24 year old in the third year of his career, on the Toronto yes. Raptors, who at that time were even were taken seriously even and, less and, and than and they I are think, now. I,
0: I think that there was a dynamic as well. Um, we got to change the pace here, but um, people widely acknowledged how entertaining Vince Carter was, but he wasn't a complete player. Right. He wasn't, and I think what we see in DeMar is more of a complete player. So I made my case. Josh made his case. You can make your case at Wheeler TSN at JLU1050. Nice work, like, I I don't think... Tell wheels
1: he's wrong, people. the, The
0: good thing about this, and I think that I can confidently say this, there's a proper debate about this. Yeah. About which season's better. Like, if it's 1A and 1B flip around in whatever order like you can make a a no no relevant argument i don't agree i i I don't agree i think i'm right and you're wrong of course you don't that is josh bloomberg so that's par for the course i am (laughs) gareth wheeler i want to talk about norman powell what we saw from norm is he stepped into the starting five and if og remains out for a longer term can norm be an actual solution at the three position and friday night The Houston Rockets coming off of 17 wins in a row are in town. Could Friday night's game change perception or maybe reinforce them? This is Jurassic Pod. Miller down low to Powell. Norm Powell goes airborne and rams it down. Norm Powell is having
1: an excellent game on both sides of the basketball. 7 of 12 from the floor.
0: 17 points, 4 rebounds. And he's had multiple good defensive stands. This is Jurassic Pod. Wheeler and Luremberg with you. Uh, Norman Powell. I think a lot of people in the city love to cheer for the guy. You wrote about his struggles this week. Found him on the outside looking in in terms of the Raptors starting five, Josh. With two-way player Malcolm Miller being preferred or at least tried out ahead of him. But boy, oh boy, did he break out of his funk big time in Detroit. 17 points and he got it going early with a three ball, and it just seemed like it built confidence. What did you see that was different in Norman Powell? I mean, you know the guy a lot, you know that he's been frustrated, but he looked like the old papau last night in Detroit. Yeah,
1: confidence. You put it perfectly, and that's what it comes down to. I mean, there are little things you can look at his game over the last few months and there are little things you can point to in terms of speculation and why he's fallen off this year maybe it's the new offense he maybe he hasn't fit in as well as some of these other guys have maybe we were judging him on a sample size that was simply too small but more than anything else I mean he is a good player with obvious talent more than anything else it comes down to confidence and sort of that that belief that you have in yourself to to fight through slumps like that, because we we forget Norman Powell is still a young player. He's 24 years old. Even in his first two years, as impressive as they were, he was playing situationally. So he hasn't had to overcome failure in the way that NBA players have to learn how to do because everyone, DeMar DeRozan, LeBron James, everyone, no matter how good of a player you are, no matter how experienced you are, you have to overcome failure. The difference is the older players know how to do it because they've done it. The younger players haven't done it, so it's uncharted water, uncharted territory. Uh, Powell is a workhorse. He is a gym rat. There's never been any question about that. Even as he was struggling, it wasn't uh, from a lack of effort or a lack of work. But I mean, what, what I wrote the other day is like, you can smash your head against a brick wall as many times as you want, but you're not going to bring it down. You've got to find other ways. And, and what I saw yesterday was uh, Powell sort of taking a step back, saying, all right, how am I going to go around this brick wall instead of just smashing it down? You've got to find other ways to make an impact without necessarily uh,
0: go without necessarily trying to do too much. Exactly. Just needs to play within himself. Yep. And I'm happy that he performed in that spot because with all due respect to players like Malcolm Miller or players of that ilk, they're not as good as Norman Powell. And as long as OG's out and we'll see when he comes back, it shouldn't be too much longer. But Norman Powell can be a player that's going to help you playoff time. That can help you in certain scenarios. He's a useful player. The team committed to him with a new contract. So for me, the Raptors had no choice but to play through these growing pains this year. And I'm glad that this perhaps could be the first step of coming out of that funk.
1: It's a double-edged sword, right? Because one thing that Casey has preached over the years, and, and this is one of the things that has helped the Raptors get to where they are now, is that playing time has to be earned. It's not going to be handed out. If you work hard and you're producing the results, then you'll play. If, if you, It's a results-based business, so even if you're working hard and the results aren't coming, there's always going to be somebody behind you, and, and fortunately for the Raptors and the depth that they have, there's always been someone behind you that is producing, right? Right. So you you want to continue to instill that, and you don't want to just play a guy because you signed him to a four-year, $42 million contract. There has to be that balance. But at the same time, and I agree with you on this, Wheels, of those guys, those, those threes, Norm is a potential solution, right? Because Malcolm Miller... He, I like Malcolm Miller and he's an option, but I don't think he's the answer. No, uh, I, I like Nigel Hayes, who they just signed to a 10 day. I like him, he's an option, but he's not the answer of all those guys. And you can throw in Malachi Richardson and, and Alfonso McKinney, all of the threes. Powell, of those guys, is the one potential solution by
0: far, by far. And the only other solution was taking C.J. Miles out of the second unit, putting him with the first unit. And I feel like, over the course of this podcast, we haven't given a shout-out to the Raptors in Washington on Friday night, last Friday night, when they beat the Wizards 102 Miles was outstanding, 20 points. So, now you're having different players step up that can play in that role, different minutes at different times, matchup, time of the game, context pending. Which works. And that works if and when O.G.'s healthy as well. You want to be able to make sure that that rotation's fluid throughout that system. Uh, so the Raptors went four and zero in the week, and I was th- wrong. I said they were going to go three and one when we
1: did this podcast Negative last week. Nelly,
0: well, we'll get your prediction for this week. I said they were going to lose the
1: Detroit game after slandering Detroit for most of last week's what podcast. Do you know,
0: Josh, it only went to overtime. Yeah, but I'll, I'll say this: all four games were competitive into the fourth, qu- fourth quarter, and and the team wants to see more games like this to test themselves. Against other teams, yep. and they weren't always pretty, but the Raptors found out found a way to win each and every four. Now of. I'm sure the, I thought te- the
1: Washington win was really good. I'm sure the team doesn't want to see them play down to Atlanta to a point where it does come down to the last few minutes. But at the same time, yes, I guess those those reps will pay, it will pay dividends. Uh,
0: the Houston Rockets. They've won 17 in a row. The Raptors are playoff-bound. They've won six in a row. Those teams collide 7.30 Friday night at the eCC If you're listening to this afterwards, then sorry, whatever. We'll see you next week on the pod. Um, the game will be aired on TSN 1050, so we'll have the pregame, uh, halftime, postgame coverage over the course of the TSN radio airways. Now... A lot of people are surprised that for this matchup in early March that these are the two respective top seeds in their conferences yeah, in the, the East and the West. Two hottest teams in the NBA, too. So the Raptors already beat Houston earlier in the year. No Chris Paul, but still beat the Rockets in Houston. Yep. Coming off a loss against the Clippers for the Raps at a time where the Rockets were red hot as well. Yeah, so I mean, it was a great win. While
1: the Rockets weren't on a 17-game winning streak at that time like they are right now, The Raptors were Houston's lone loss during a 22-game stretch at that time. So, yeah, I mean, they've they've had a great season overall. They were playing great then. They're red hot now. And these are the types of games that the Raptors have really shown up
0: to Mm -hmm. and produced in this year. Well, I want to know because there are people like me that are like, yeah, the Raptors should and are the favorites to come out of the Eastern Conference. And I say the exact same thing about the Rockets in the West. I believe what I'm seeing right now. So for me, I think if the Raptors beat the Rockets, that will reinforce how I already feel. But for a lot of other people that are saying, still, LeBron, 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 or Boston, 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 if the Raptors go out and beat the Rockets on Friday night, do you think that changes some hearts, uh, hearts and minds, Josh? They beat the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Boston Celtics comfortably on home on their home floor. Right, I, I mean, this is another opportunity
1: for them to turn heads. Unfortunately, it's not a nationally televised game, so it's not an opportunity to turn heads in that way. In the, the way that the Cleveland game. you'll be
0: watching those I don't care where you are that's a must follow game on Friday
1: it's interesting because I see a lot of parallel between the two teams and their situation that they're in right now to the point where I mean Houston's hearing the same thing I think Rockets fans are hearing the same thing that Raptors fans are hearing Houston while they've been a great regular season team not just this year, but in years past, they haven't proven anything in the playoffs, like the Raptors. I mean, maybe even less than the Raptors because we've seen James Harden struggle in the playoffs, and yeah, now they've added Chris Paul, but he doesn't exactly have an inspiring playoff resume either. So they also have to prove it in the playoffs. They're also right now in the shadow of the Warriors, even if they finish ahead of the Warriors in the regular season. Nobody, nobody is going to realistically pick them other than maybe you wheels in in a seven game series against the Warriors the same way that very few people would pick the Raptors in a seven game series against LeBron James but they know there's internal belief I think in both of those teams that they're better than people give them credit and that's why this is an interesting matchup on Friday and that's why I think the NBA is a whole lot more interesting as a whole than people thought it would be because it's not just the Warriors and the Cavs running away with things there are two other very good teams in each conferences in the raptors in the and the in the rockets and there are a few other contenders
0: as well. I think it's safe to say points will be scored on Friday night. Yes. You think? Uh, I can't wait for this game. Um not only because one of those winning streaks will come to an end, but this could be a preview of the NBA Finals. I'm saying it, and I'll say it with confidence. And if you're listening, NBA <laughs> Finals preview. Oh, man. And
1: if you're listening to this after Friday, oh, man, what a game that was. Uh, <laughs> either uh, what a disappointing Raptors loss believe- that was, mm-hmm. or what an incredible Raptors win that was. I, we, you can edit that accordingly, depending on
0: what Still happens. It fill in the blank. Fill in the there. blank. Uh, Needed to mention, congrats, DeMar DeRozan, on that fourth Player of the Week um, award win over the course
1: of this week. And and this is an incredible sort of semi-quasi stat is he's— it, March is the last full month of the regular season, of course. April is only like a half Couple month, weeks. right? So this season is going to come to an end with DeMar DeRozan having won Player of the Week once in each of the eight full months— in a two-season span, for last year, for this year, that speaks, if nothing else, to the incredible consistency that he's built here, where it's not just one big month a
0: few big games He's doing it almost every night here For two seasons. It seems like span. we should come up with Like a DeMar DeRozan advent calendar Over the course of the NBA season You open up You get chocolates and trivia About what he did against who That week, that year Wheels Genius Wheels,
1: wheels you had me
0: at You get chocolate Yeah, no kidding <laughs> The rest don't, doesn't matter
1: No, you don't have to sell that very hard You
0: have Josh Luenberg pop out And give you a Raptors DeMar DeRozan stat I come, you to, I come to your house Some sweets, some sour Some Josh some <laughs> Oh th- th- wow you, you can decide which one's which <laughs> The chocolates Sweet. Uh, uh, before we go, Raptors, three games this week. We'll try to do the pod next Wednesday because Raptors play Thursday, Friday, yep. uh, Pacers, Mavericks. So they play the Rockets, the Knicks on Sunday. That game will also be on TSN radio. Then the Nets in Brooklyn on Tuesday. What do the Raptors go this week?
1: They go two and
0: one. I say two and one and as they're well. Not,
1: and they're not losing to either of those New York teams, well, I, I'll tell I, you that. I was going
0: to say, I think they're going to beat the Rockets and lose to one of those oh, New York teams. Oh, come on. I think that Tuesday night game in Brooklyn. The
1: Damari Carroll revenge game. He's going off for
0: 40. If he plays against the Raptors this time. He doesn't play against the Raptors. (laughs) I think that was part of his contract. Just, I'd never play against the Raptors again. He's like, gonna be DNP, coach's decision, can't because my contract says so. Good stuff, Josh. It's a lot of fun this week. And we're playoff bound, so you know where you're going to be over the course of the month of April. Yeah, I wasn't sure they were going to make the playoffs until <laughs> yesterday. Now, clear your schedules, everybody. Yes, yes. This just in, the Raptors are going to the playoffs. Woo! Uh, thanks for joining us here on the podcast. Tell your friends. Subscribe on iTunes. We really appreciate all the support. And i got to tell you, this podcast is a ton of fun to do. Brand new logo now new as logo. well.
1: Courtesy uh, of a good buddy of mine, Mort Evans, who did a great job on it so uh, check that out let us know if you
0: like it Mort you're a quality dude and we look forward to continuing to bring the heat over the course of the rest of this NBA season this has been Jurassic Pod